So uh, the specific topic here is getting the timing right for trending topics. And, uh, you know, it's all kind of based off of this uh, quote here by Victor Hugo. And nothing is more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And uh, it definitely feels really powerful right now. If any of you guys are in the AI uh, kind of, you know, uh, GPT-3, ChatGPT, um, you know, mid-journey, DALI, uh, stable diffusion kind of world, uh, it really feels like the, the time has come for that idea. And uh, actually, this image was made by AI. Um, uh, for my book, uh, it's one of the illustrations I use in the book. Um, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not an artist, <laughs> but but it kind of looked cool to me. Uh, so uh, you know, how do you how do you get ahead of these ideas? Because uh, it's incredibly valuable to know what's up and coming, um, and to understand which ideas are worth your time and investment. Uh, one of the benefits of being ahead of the curve uh, is that uh, you get a ton of backlinks and backlinks are still really what drives uh, SEO. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if you're, um, if you're like Brian Dean and you coined a new term in SEO, uh, right. He, uh, he invented the skyscraper technique. Now, every single person who writes about the skyscraper technique has to link to Brian Dean. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, similarly, if you write about a topic that then suddenly becomes trending, uh, then every news organization is going to have to kind of link to you uh, to kind of point out that, oh, these guys you know, came up with the idea or like these guys um, have a specific asset or a specific article that you should read. Um, so uh, being slightly ahead of the curve is really important. Uh, but obviously, once that moment has passed, you kind of lose it forever. Uh, this is uh, you know, one of the rare occasions where I have gotten it right. <laughs> uh, so I was uh, part of this team at Canda. Uh, we were actually a pretty small team, just three of us. And um, yeah, we wrote uh, this uh, who's freezing hiring from coronavirus page. Uh, it was actually a database that we built on Airtable. Um, we, we got over 7,000 submissions uh, in the space of nine hours, uh, which is pretty insane. <laughs> the Airtable said at one point we had the highest velocity of new, new database entries. Uh, <laughs> which is really nuts. Um, and, uh, you know, we stayed up all, like all, all night on the weekend, like uh, answering these queries because basically, uh, you know, we'd hit upon a trend. Um, you know, loads of companies had suddenly started to freeze hiring, like interns were getting uh, told that jobs that had been offered, like were actually being rescinded. Um, so it was a crazy time for everyone. Nobody knew what was going on. And uh, therefore anyone who had any information uh, was, you know, suddenly put to the top of, all of the rankings, right? Um, we got over 2000 backlinks uh, just in a very short space of time, uh, you know, that weekend, but also over the next few weeks as people wrote up like what happened and what's continued to happen and who's now kind of hiring again, et cetera. And uh, you can see that that made a huge difference to our SEO traffic, but it was kind of like a delayed effect. Um, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but, you know, we were writing for months before we got really any traffic. Uh, you know, we had, we had, at this point, we had like 35 articles on the site and, and not, you know, we were getting a few hundred hits uh, per, per article. It was really this huge injection of backlinks that made it possible for us to rank on, uh, you know, on, on, on the non-trending topics, like the things that were related to uh, what we were trying to commercialize. So um, I think in general, like when I zoomed out to think about uh, what I was creating for this presentation, I realized that I kind of done this a couple of times. Um, you know, my, my whole career really is just a kind of a series of waves that I've written. 
Um, I mean, the big one was uh, the shift from, um, out, you know, advertising budget uh, out of, you know, offline channels like newspapers, magazines, outdoor into the internet. Um, you know, I started advertising, um, you know, around here. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't date myself too much, uh, but <laughs> uh, you know, at, at the time, I remember people telling me. Uh, like the the Google ads campaigns that I thought were really important, uh, you know, spending millions of dollars a year uh, were actually like a rounding error compared to what they were spending on TV. Um, so uh, now that is completely flipped and digital is the majority of ad spend uh, and being part of that kind of trend really accelerated a lot of my career. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I have dated myself here. <laughs> I started advertising in 2010. Um, I, I quickly jumped on Facebook ads because uh, as you can see, I was kind of like 10 years behind the curve here. Like even it was, I mean, still very valuable for me to be advertising Google ads in 2010, 10 years after they came out. Um, but with Facebook ads, it was a little bit closer, right? Uh, we uh, They came out in 2007. I started testing them in 2011. Um, and I took a job specifically that uh, allowed me to spend more money on Facebook ads. Uh, then growth hacking came and I spotted my opportunity. So um, I immediately started to learn about growth hacking. Uh, Brian Balfour, um, Noah Kagan, uh, kind of uh, Ryan Holiday, like all these guys. Um, I think <laughs> Travis is nodding because he's, uh, I think we share a lot of the, <laughs> we've read a lot of the same blog articles. Uh, but, uh, you know, that term was coined in 2010 by Sean Ellis. Uh, and I actually, yeah, I pushed pretty hard and, and I managed to move into a growth role in 2012. It was actually, I was actually called the product manager for marketing, um, which was like the closest my organization could get. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of was the most consequential wave that I rode. I, I started an agency uh, that was a growth hacking agency, as, as Travis said, uh, they were called Ladder, and we grew that to 50 people. So um, that was definitely the biggest wave. It made the biggest difference to my salary. Uh, but uh, since I left Ladder, uh, I've been trying to catch other waves. Um, uh, Mark Demix modeling was, was one of the ones that worked out. Uh, I got into that February 2020. And then iOS 14 happened in September 2021. And suddenly, an attribution method that didn't require cookie level data uh, was incredibly important, right? So I was actually a little bit ahead of the curve there and, um, you know, been able to triple my consulting rates since. Um, I, now, you know, one of the waves I'm kind of trying to ride, ride right now is uh, AI. Um, you know, actually my, my book, I started writing it before AI came out, uh, but then like it's basically you know, made a lot of the things in my book a lot more important and more interesting than they otherwise would have been. Uh, so um, so I think that's been helpful. But, uh, you know, I was playing around with the GPT-3 beta in July 2020. I remember trying to convince my wife, who is a copywriter, to <laughs> uh, to, uh, to use it. And, and she was, like, instead very horrified by the implications of <laughs> what it would have for her um, you know, for, for, for her career. So, um, yeah, a chat GPT now is like a hundred million users plus, um, and, uh, everyone's talking about it, but, um, you know, I already had blog posts in, in, in place, you know, I already have been using it for a while and kind of built that foundational knowledge. So, uh, it's, it's let me capitalize on it a little bit quicker. Cool. So, um, you know, one thing though, you can't be too early, like, uh, being early is exactly the same as being wrong. Uh, one simple example that everyone always uses is uh, pets.com. 
they went bankrupt after losing $82 million in 1998, which actually doesn't seem like that much, but at the time it was the biggest loss <laughs> in the startup ecosystem. It popped the, the first dot-com bubble. Uh, but uh, essentially exactly the same idea, you know, Chewy, uh, they managed to IPO at an $18 billion market cap in 2017. Um, and you know, there's a, a few different things that 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 make the ecosystem ready for an idea. Um, it's very hard to predict. Uh, you know, startups. Um, you know, one of the the number one things that a VC will ask you is why now. Like, what what's specific about you know what's changed that makes this idea really good? Uh, the ones that have been in the game for a while will say that like they've seen this idea a thousand times. Um, and and you know, like maybe the thousand and one time is like the best. Is the best one to launch uh, it's very hard to know um you know facebook wasn't the first social network um you know google wasn't the, uh, the first search engine um so it's it's really a case of uh kind of getting the timing right and kind of jumping in at the right time cool so um it, specifically to content um one thing you have to remember is that anyone who is a content creator is captured by their audience like they have to publish or perish uh, and this is one of the things they don't tell you in influencer school <laughs> uh, right uh, is like once you start posting on instagram uh you know you you're, you're doomed to forever continue right like every single moment like you won't be able to enjoy because you have to like turn it into postable content um and uh you know it's the same thing for news organizations they have the 24-hour news cycle you know uh, everything there's always has to be something happening right and uh, sometimes there just isn't any news, and uh, they have to manufacture some. Right. So um, here's uh, here's a really good example that I managed to find. This is from uh, the election, the, the famous election where Trump, uh, you know, unexpectedly uh, won. Um, you know, so uh, the, I think elections and like sports games, you know, different uh, kind of breaking news events. Uh, really interesting to look at from this perspective because you can kind of see when news suddenly happens, you can see the transition. So uh, on the left here, you have Jeff from Franklin County, right? Small county here in Ohio. Um, you know, he was discussing the security of the new voting machines. Um, and uh, it's just kind of a piece of filler content, right? Uh, like the, the, like this is Jeff's five minutes of fame, right? And uh, he wouldn't normally get on the news, but it's the election uh, they don't, there's nothing actually happening at this point, um, so they're interviewing him. Um, and then, uh, you know, just a, a few seconds into Jeff's uh, spiel, uh, then Hillary Clinton leaves her compound to head to Manhattan. It's not even that important of a news story, but it's enough to kind of switch, um, you know, switch attention. And they actually interrupted poor Jeff <laughs> in order to, to show you just like some footage of, of Hillary leaving the compound, right? So, um, I, I think uh, it's really important to think about this dynamic, um, and this is actually something that uh, I got from Nick Barron, who's he was the former head of SEO and PR at Grammarly. Like when I got in contact with him after um, we had this uh, breakout success at Canda, um, because he was kind of an advisor or a friend of an advisor, um, and uh, he he's the one actually I kind of need to credit for this filler versus killer um, uh, you know, interplay. So. Uh, filler news right um that's that's like where you can be right like that's that like when there's when there's no actual breaking news like you can insert yourself into the conversation like if if you're jeff right you can actually kind of get your five minutes of fame um and and you can kind of tell if there's filler news going on uh when there's a lot of demand for a story but there's not much supply right so there's a lot of demand for the election but there wasn't much 
uh, supply. So they had to kind of drum something up. Usually these are like human interest stories, could be celebrity gossip, lifestyle pieces, uh, expert interviews, uh, or pundit opinions. Um, and then the killer news, like when something is breaking, it's very, very hard to insert yourself in the conversation, right? Uh, so, you know, killer news is anything that's urgent, relevant, significant to the audience. It could be like press releases, uh, natural disasters, political events, sports games, uh, you know, economic reports. So this is kind of the way I think about it. Um, is there something happening or nothing happening? Um, and then the thing that's happening, does it have broad appeal or does it have niche interest? Uh, so if something's happening um, and that thing that's happening has broad appeal, that's breaking news. Uh, you're not going to get your brand message in there, right? Like uh, you, you could write a blog post about it, but nobody's going to care. Uh, but um, if something is, if, if, if nothing is happening, um, then you can write something that has broad appeal and then you become the filler content, right? So that's kind of what you want to think about is uh, when can you pitch, um, you know, when can you pitch a mainstream news organization? You know, when can you pitch a guest post um, uh, when, when they need to fill that gap in the 24-hour news cycle? Uh, the, there's another category which is also interesting, and I think it could be um, even bigger if done well, uh, which is um, you might have a niche interest, right, that doesn't really have, um, you know, broad appeal. Um, uh, but like, if something is happening that you could relate it to, uh, then I think that's when you can kind of get your five minutes of fame, like Jeff, right? So uh, his niche interest was, you know, these voting machines uh, that they just got in his county, um, you know, but, um, but you know, for you, if you're, uh, if you're kind of startup that's launching a new product, um, think about like, if something is happening in your category, uh, how do you kind of get, how do you relate what you're doing to that specific topic? And uh, getting the timing right is really about kind of uh, figuring out what part of the cycle is going to be useful for achieving your goals. Um, so, um, you know, usually something happens and then and then people jump on it, right? So then it becomes breaking news. Uh, there's a little bit of a lag typically, right? Um, so, you know, something will start trending on Twitter and then the mainstream journalists will write about it. And newsjacking is kind of getting in between those two, right? So if you're the first, like if you're in that Twitter group and then you start and you're the first one to write about it, then you have a chance of kind of, you know, getting ahead and, and being cited as a source uh, by more mainstream publications. Uh, then eventually it kind of gets to the peak um, and then becomes like old news and then nothing's happening anymore. Um, and what most people don't really think about is that like newsjacking is very, very good for getting attention, uh, but it's a terrible way to make money, right? It's not very really commercially valuable um, because uh, you're too early actually to make money. Uh, where you want to make money is, is uh, if you're a consultant or if you sell a product, uh, you actually kind of really want to sell after the peak. Um, uh, that's actually where all the money is to be made uh, because uh, that's when mainstream companies or mainstream people uh, are willing to pay to catch up, right? Uh, because they're not ahead of the curve. Like Fortune 500 brands are only just now hearing about growth hacking, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I actually had like a few leads come in um, uh, where, where they're like, are you still offering growth hacking services? And I'm like, I haven't done that for five years. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, so, so like, but that, that's actually the best way to make a lot of money. You don't make a lot of money from working with startups, right? Um, they don't have that much money to spend. And I think this is something that like people 
uh, you know, forget about. Like they don't, they don't really consider this. Um, if you want status, uh, then you're going to be early on topics. And if you want money, you've got to be a little bit late. So um, where do you find these things, right? Um, there's a, a quote by Paul Graham, um, which I'm just kind of paraphrasing, but um, uh, he says that, uh, I think in one of his essays, he says, uh, you should live in the future um, and then build what's missing, right? So that that's his advice for like, come up with, uh, you know, good startup ideas. And I think that with content, it's the same thing, right? Um, if you live in the future, uh, then you just kind of write what's missing. Um, that's that's really how you can influence the influences. Um, that's really what journalists are doing. Uh, you know, if you if you kind of trace the ancestry of the stories, uh, you can kind of see uh, like almost everything on BuzzFeed starts as a Reddit thread first, uh, and then they just uh, they just take like the most interesting posts and package them up in a more shareable format because. Uh, you know, Reddit is popular, but it's not that popular with the mainstream. Nobody, nobody mainstream really reads Reddit, right? Um, it's it's more counterculture. Um, you know, it's the same thing with uh, with any creative pursuit. Like, fashion designers will you know steal the the looks and styles that they see on the street, right? But from actually fashionable people who who came up with those things themselves, right? Um, you know, um, DJs will uh, you know they'll replicate the sounds that they hear in underground clubs, right? Like rock bands do the same. Um, so, um, so, you know, think about, um, you know, where is the counterculture? Like, where are the people who are living more authentically, like, you know, more realistically, uh, like closer to reality, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Um, and then you just insert yourself in that conversation and you just start to see things bubble up. And uh, typically, I would say uh, when you feel like it's you know, you're, you're almost like too late on the topic, like if you are living in the future, that means you're actually just at the right time. So uh, that's uh, that's the uh, the topic that I had for you today, the trending topic. Um, it's just one of many things I talk about in my book. Uh, the book is Marketing Memetics. Uh, it's about reverse engineering creativity. Obviously, reverse engineering the timing is one thing, uh, but I also talk about you know how to figure out what copy is likely to work, what images are likely to work, what brands, uh, brand kind of attributes are likely to work as well. So um, you know, hopefully that's interesting for you guys, and you know, happy to. Yeah, you know, stick around and answer as many questions as you'll throw at me. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, definitely looking forward to the book as well. Um, yeah, I had not heard that Paul Graham quote, but I do like that of the future yeah. of what's missing. It's uh pretty impactful. Yeah, I should have put that on the slide with like an inspirational picture behind us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do um, that for next time. Yeah, and then everybody, you can drop your questions in QA or just send them to me in chat. Um, but we do have a couple to kind of kick it off. Do you use any tools to surface trends kind of on the rise? Yeah, good question. No, I think um, actually tools are almost um, uh, by definition, like not good at doing that, right? Because uh, tools need data, um, right? And you, so you already need like, um, you know, you need, you need like, like Ahrefs, for example, is a very good tool for uh, checking uh, how much traffic, um, you know, specific keywords would have, right? Uh, but they're terrible for trending topics because, um, you know, like these these keywords aren't like associated with anything interesting yet, right? Um, actually, like I still, even if I look at marketing mixed modeling, I still don't really see uh, a big trend um, in, uh, you know, Google search trends. Um, you know, I still don't see the spike, but but like I, I definitely felt it, right? Like I had a yeah. huge amount of it. I actually had a, a Twitter post I was I was just live tweeting 
um, a Facebook webinar on marketing mix modeling. modeling. It's a statistics webinar, right? You wouldn't expect like any any traction, but I got eight hundred thousand people reading the tweets, right? And uh, so, so like more than know, the webinar. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, I, I actually like you know people from the webinar reach out and they were like, thanks so much, you, you did our <laughs> job for us. You know, <laughs> yeah, I managed to talk to the Facebook team that uh, built it and stuff. But yeah, so it's um, yeah, I, I would say like. Um, you know, uh, by, like most tools are uh, specifically designed to um, to tell you what's already popular. Uh, they're not that good at kind of predicting what will be popular in the future. I think that's still like, you know, a very human task. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one thing I was kind of thinking about when you were going through your talk is like Google Trends, of course, but then Exploding Topics, which is like ironically by Brian Dean, who you referenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, he he obviously sees the value in, yeah. in solving that problem. But but yeah, I mean, I think like, I mean, I talk about this in, in the book, uh, but memetics, like this um, kind of um, this method for like finding what uh, what ideas are going to evolve and what ideas are going to spread. Um, yeah, that that's still not like, a, you know, undisputed science, right? Like it's not like uh, it's it's very very hard to define, um, you know, even define a topic. Uh, so so like you know when you get into the messy weeds of it, like uh, every everyone's view of a topic is different. Um, like if I say, I don't know, Batman is trending. Like Batman means something different to you than it means something uh, than it means to me, right? Like if you're a fan of the comics and I'm a fan of just the I've just seen the movies, right? Uh, actually, even if I saw like the Christopher Nolan movies and so you know someone else saw the the latest movie, like we're all going to have a completely different definition and vision of like what Batman means. Um, so so like you can't just do a keyword search for Batman and just you know tell that like that is trending, right? Um, it's it's like you know too nuanced. It's a good point. Like Twitter trends is probably the best uh, example of that. And you kind of click in and you see all kinds of questions and. Not sure why things are trending. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it almost never seems to make any sense to me. <laughs> no. <I> through. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sarah sent in a question. She says, uh, "How would you translate this into writing stories? Like, how do you find and write about those topics before they peak?" Yeah, good question. So, um, so I think with uh, with newsjacking, like, uh, so going back to this diagram. Um, so I think this is uh, this is uh, specifically for like trending topics, right? So um, you know that that means something happened, and then uh, like th this shifted everyone's vibe, right? <laughs> um, they, they, like it, like like something something has changed about the world, and therefore it's news. Um, uh, I, I would say like um, you know to to I think that that's like more obvious um, in in terms of. Uh, you know, if you're in, if you're enveloped in a space, like if you, um, like you know, I, I was an agency owner, right? So uh, I I knew that um, being able to attribute marketing budget was like very important, and marketing attribution was like a very difficult topic. So I knew that like if anything came around that uh, helped you do marketing attribution, like that would be a big big news story, right? Because I felt the pain myself. I think that like that. Uh, so, so like that doesn't help you necessarily with the timing, um, but but like uh, if you if you can kind of see this uh, see something developing in the space, then that's when you that's when you start to jump on it. Um, I think it is hard to get the timing right specifically um, because uh, quite often these things will just fizzle out, right, uh, or they'll come back again in the future. 
Um, so that's why I do think you kind of need to keep your ear to the ground. You need to kind of make low cost bets, I guess, on uh, on 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 like whether that will become a thing and then double down. So um, with AI, uh, for example, you know, I, I think I wrote like one blog post about it. I t- t- started tweeting about it a little bit. Um, and then and then more recently, it's become like a much bigger thing. So, I've, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm I just taught a course for O'Reilly on prompt engineering. I have like multiple blog posts about it. I've included AI in my book, right? Like, um, I think I think your commitment, um, your commitment is what you scale up and up and down uh, once you see that you've gotten the timing right. Nice, yeah, that's super helpful. Um, and then some people might already be thinking this, but it's like how how and should you um, manufacture trends? Um, mm, yeah, like, especially like B two B SaaS. A lot of people are thinking about category creation. Um, yeah, it's a great example of this. Um, you have like pink pants on TikTok from like seven months ago. Um, yeah, three thoughts on that. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so uh, you know, nobody really knows what makes something go viral. Quite often, it could be like something random um, uh, that, that 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 causes it. Um, I think people in general are allergic to obviously manufactured trends. Um, which is why it's so hard to do it, right? <laughs> um, uh, so, so I'd say, like at the very least, uh, it needs to come not from your brand. Um, it needs to come from something authentic in the space. Um, so, there's uh, I'm reading a book right now uh, in you know kind of a little bit of last minute research for for my book, uh, but it's called Narrative Economics, um, and they they talk about uh, this in related to like finance and and um, and and like the economy, and it's kind of interesting, but. Um, but one of the things that they say is that um, uh, almost always like the same narratives come back again and again, except they're attached to a new uh, to a new celebrity. Right. And that's usually what kind of uh, launches it. Right. So um, they talk about Bitcoin. Um, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto is like, you know, he's not uh, a real person. Right. It's a pseudonym. But but like that's this kind of celebrity attachment with Bitcoin and kind of that mystery um, I guess, kind of optimize the virality of the Bitcoin narrative, right? Um, but but like the narrative that uh, we should have like independent financial uh, system um, has actually been, you know, as old as time. Um, and uh, and I don't even remember the name of the previous guy, but, uh, you know, there, there was a whole trend where, uh, where we like um, the gold standard and, and things like that. Like, you know, th- this has actually kind of come up multiple times in the past. Um, yeah, similar to, uh, you know, to Bitcoin, like uh, the, the the whole trend of like the narrative, like people are like making money on Bitcoin and you're a fool for not investing in it, right? Like that 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 has been used to sell financial products for, for centuries, right? So, um, you know, it's just usually a different kind of uh, example, a different, uh celebrity that's um that, that's attached to it nice and then kind of going back this might be the last question but kind of going back to the diagram you have of the kind of trend timeline um and you yep. dug into a little bit but it's like what what's the business kpi for kind of trend jacking and is it measurable or is it more like brand awareness um for kind of down the road initiatives yeah, good question. So um, I think uh, there are probably three different reasons to write content. Um, so at least three, three reasons why I write content. Uh, so one is what um, one is uh, kind of like evergreen content, which I think is uh, probably the most valuable. So it's it's something that you know if you can imagine multiple of these peaks, 
right? It's a topic that will keep happening again and again, right? So it's uh, it's evergreen, it's perennial. Um, and uh, and I would say uh, that that's really to kind of build like long-term traffic um, and, uh, and, and, and like, you know, that, that, that traffic is going to keep, keep coming back in the future. Um, so, um, I, I would say, you know, that's the type of content where like, you know, you're kind of writing in, in this space, um, the, 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 the topic is already, or the narrative is like already proved itself valuable. Um, and it's going to keep like, keep happening again and again. Um, like, uh, uh Jeff Bezos has this, this quote where he's like, um, uh, you, you know, you should, it shouldn't really be, I'm not even going to try and, uh, do the quote, uh, off memory, but, uh, but he basically says like, you shouldn't really care about what's changing. You should care about what's, uh, staying the same because that's what you can build a business off. Ooh, yeah. So, um, so, so he, like he, with Amazon, like, uh, nobody is ever going to ask for slower delivery. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, if you can, uh, like in the content, uh, bringing that back to content, like if you could write about the equivalent of that, like something that like people always struggle with, um, then that, that content is going to kind of be you know, a long-term asset. Right. So I think that's one reason to write content. Another reason to write content is uh, for things that don't necessarily have any search volume, but they will attract links. I think that that's where newsjacking comes in. So links are status, links are authority, right? Um, and if you can uh, get ahead, like if you can build a reputation for being ahead of the game, uh, then people will want to follow you, and they, they will be compelled to link to you because you know you you are the original source that they learned it from, right? So I think like that's another reason to create content. And then the, the third is like uh, for commercial gain, right? So um, you know you need some of your pieces that will like you know turn into leads. Um, you know, because because like you have some like educational things that attract um, you know, attract traffic. You have you know some um, kind of status type uh, you know short term things that will attract links. Um, and then you need the third thing, which is like to convert all that traffic um, and authority into actual money. You know, <laughs> um, so so like um, you know I I write for uh, a marketing attribution uh, firm, and uh, you know we've got we've got one um, you know one blog post which is like eight tools for marketing attribution, right? Like it's very low traffic, but uh, you know, it's like a 10% conversion rate. So it's, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, and, and like a, a lot of uh, the rest of the strategy is kind of, um, you know, about building the authority and then and then kind of building the kind of regular visitors and the traffic and email list uh, in order to, you know, be able to fully capitalize on those money terms. Fantastic. Awesome. That's a good one to kind of wrap it up and end it with. Um, thank you so much, Mike, for your time today. I'll yeah, drop in awesome. Mike's Twitter handle if you want to give him a shout today and let him know how much you appreciate his talk. And then, Mike, do you have any last parting words? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I would say uh, no matter how original you think you are, almost everything that uh, <laughs> you're writing about has been written about before. So uh, if you do the research, you'll you'll see that. And, and I think that's a really important part of being able to spot these trends. Now, before we wrap this up, don't forget to share, like, and subscribe so you don't miss out on more great content from the industry's best SEOs, content marketers, and content strategists. The ClearScope webinar series happens every week and helps SEO content creators of all skill levels advance their knowledge. Hope to see you. Tune in next time.